Episode 60 of Shanlene on Batman. Today we have a guest that I am very excited to have on. He is all over the Batman world doing incredible things. Um, he's been the director of Batman Under the Red Hood. He's been a director on Brave and the Bold and the Batman. Batman vs. Dracula and a fan favorite, Young Justice. Thank you for coming on the show. Brandon Vietti. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Awesome. So usually how we start off the show is we ask, like, where's your first introduction to the character of Batman? Was it a 66 television show? Was it 89 Batman? Was it the animated series? It's a good question. Uh, I think it was Super Friends. I'm pretty really? sure it was uh, yeah. Super Friends. That's a first. Yeah, it is. So when you saw that, what, what were you like, oh my goodness, I love these characters, or kind of like, ugh. No, I mean, I was drawn in, I mean, probably just because it was, you know, superheroes and cartoons, but I know I loved it. My my memories of it are not, you know, solid anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like, I know I watched it. I know I loved it. My parents got me the bed sheets. I had a bunch of the toys and stuff. Um, but, uh, I mean, that goes back pretty far, so I don't remember what my, my initial impressions were when I first saw Batman and Robin and, and the rest of the Super Friends. Um, and I remember, I do remember the, the old 66 show, um, but, you know, much later, of course, watching that in syndication. Um, so yeah, those were probably my first two, two memories of, of Batman. Awesome. So let's, let's talk about how you got started in animation. Like, obviously like you're one of the hottest animated, like directors, like Superman Doomsday, Under the Red Hood, you got... Batman Brave and the Bold, which is like our, like some of our personal favorite Batman things, uh, you know, the Batman, like where, how did you get started in that milieu, I guess you could say? Like just like how I got into animation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> well, I, I, uh, it was all kind of by accident, actually. I, I didn't, I didn't intend to get into animation at all. I was trying to get into comics and I had gone to the, the Joe Kubert school, uh, in New Jersey. And I went through all three years of, of that school. And um, during that time, I was really into and, and in high school, I was uh, really into Batman, the animated series, of course. Right. I mean, that's. Oh, yes. That was our childhood. Yeah, it's very influential on me. And I, and I loved it. And I loved the style and I loved the, the film noir aspects of it. And, and it was just a, a style of, uh, of specifically DC superhero storytelling I just hadn't seen before. And really stuck with me. And it wasn't a style that I wanted to draw until I started drawing. There was just a, an assignment that we had for one of my classes where uh, we, were, we were just supposed to pick a style and kind of try to copy it. And I, I started doing the, the Bruce Timm style. And I was shocked at how difficult it was. I thought, ah, oh, this would be easy. I'm just going to use a cartoon style. And because there's clearly far fewer lines to draw, so I'll be able to tear through this assignment, no problem. And, uh, and I, it, it was so, it was one of my hardest assignments because I realized when you have fewer lines to draw, those lines have to be placed perfectly, Yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. So every line had to be very well thought out and, and I was not good at that yet. I'm still working on it to this day. But, um, but that was probably my first time really getting into it and it just sucked me in. Once I started drawing in an animated style couldn't stop. And a lot of my, my uh, assignments at the school kind of took on an animated style. And when I graduated from the school, I had a, like a portfolio of comic book pages that were in a, in a kind of animated style, a little bit more my own. And I was going around to like Marvel and DC and I was getting, I was getting okay reviews. Like I forget what editors I, I talked to. Um, but, uh, it was basically like they just weren't doing a lot of titles like that at the time. They had a few titles like both Marvel and DC were both doing kind of kid friendly animated style books and they liked what I was doing, but they already had like all the people they needed to, to do those books. So I was just kind of waiting and kind of biding my time after graduation. And, and uh, a friend of mine actually showed me an ad in the comics buyer's guide 
that um, Warner Brothers Animation was looking for new talent. And um, so I thought, ah, animation is not really what I want to do, but maybe this can get me some work to kind of pay the bills until I can break into comics. And the rest is history. I mean, I turned in my portfolio, which was me trying to do Bruce Tim uh, the best I could. And I sent that in and that got me an interview with them. I flew out for an interview and the rest was history. Like once I got in, they, they really taught me everything from scratch. They taught me storyboards. They taught me character design. And, um, and I mean, I was learning from some of the best guys in the business. I mean, at, at yeah. the time there was no cartoon network or, I mean, it wasn't what it is now, right. you know, the animation business was much smaller. So I was in with a pretty elite group of guys that were making this amazing show. And at the time, they had just started up the new Batman Superman Adventures. I think okay. they'd gotten through a couple of seasons of, uh, of Superman Adventures. And then they kind of relaunched it with uh, Batman, with that, that kind of new style, the more angular style. And that's, that was my, my first job in, in the business. Wow. So you, you said that uh, you wanted to do comics. Like, what kind of comics did you grow up reading? And like, like you said, you, you were into Bruce Timm. Like, was that always a favorite of yours? I mean, yeah, as soon as I saw the animated style, it, it was. But I, I was collecting um, Batman and Detective at the time, uh, like in high school and stuff. And I remember that was uh, Norm Brayfogle, I think, was doing that, and Jim Aparo. If I'm getting their last names uh, pronounced correctly. But th those were the guys that I was really reading their, their books and their take on Batman and um, following those. And, and so... That was kind of a style that I was pushing towards. Like when I first started in, in art school, I wanted to do something a little more realistic, a little more rendery, more more traditional comic book stuff. And and like I said, as uh, as I was going through the school and I, I started trying my hand at animation, I uh, I just really took to it. I just really started to enjoy that challenge even more. And uh, I just I just kind of stayed with it. And, you know, it's funny, too, like once I got the job in animation, I, I kind of started to realize, too, that that was always my first love. Going back to what I was saying about Super Friends being my introduction to the DC Universe, um, that's what pulled me into art. It was animation. I, I got into comics because I found out that they were making comics about some of my favorite cartoons, like okay. Transformers and G.I. Joe. I was, you know, Thundercats. I was into all that stuff. I was like... Yeah. You know, mid-80s kid, I was like the prime demographic for all those great cartoons from that time. And uh, I watched all of them after school. And, and at some point, somewhere along the line, it's, I think I was out with my parents at a bookstore. And I saw the comic books. blew my mind that they were making comic books of my cartoons. <laughs> I started picking them up. And that got me into the world of comics. But it all started with animation. Awesome. Are you still collecting to this day? Not as much. Uh, I, I, I will occasionally pick up things, but um, I'm so busy. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. hard enough for me to carve out time just to read the scripts that I'm supposed to be going over as opposed <laughs> to actually reading the books. But um, I, I mean, I try to at least kind of maybe even read websites and stuff to like try and get the gist of, of what's going on. But I just don't have the, the bandwidth actually to take in huge volumes of comics that are still coming out today. Awesome. So, like, I, re I was reading that you kind of started off as, like, a character designer. Is that one of your first jobs? And when, you, when you're a character designer, what characters have you, did you design for the, the, tel the animated shows that you were working on? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, when you start out, they, uh, they kind of work you up to a, a lead position. So I, I didn't have any, like lead roles it was mostly like turning characters so and like secondary characters at that so the more seasoned uh character designers on the show at the time uh like shane glines um was uh was one of the leads and glenn mirakami uh tommy tejeda um those guys were kind of doing like the real prize characters the the, the main lineups from the rogues gallery and stuff and i was kind of doing you know, secondary characters like guard number two, you know, I would get like a sketch from the director or from Bruce or from Glenn. And I would kind of like, you know, tighten up their lines because they'd be really rough. And I would do like, you, know, you always get a front three quarter to work with and I would have to do the back three quarter. 
or I would have to do uh, they do the full turns, like a full head turn. So they'll give you the front three quarter of a head, but you have to figure out the profile and the back view and the back three quarter. So um, that was the kind of work that I was I was doing is in that role. So pretty much just you gotta you gotta do the job to get the job, right? Right. Yeah, you gotta pay your dues, but um, you know, it was all all good training. Um, I think I learned that that wasn't really something I wanted to do. I did I did that for a while, and then I did uh, storyboards as well. And it was the storyboards that I really took to uh, the the storytelling again. You know, going back, I think to why I loved comics and why I was trying to get into comics for a time is the storytelling. That's always what what grabbed me, and uh, and that just obviously it's just not there in, in the design part of it. So um, I kind of I tried my hand at it. I learned a lot of good rules that I still know today, and I still apply them for my job now as a producer. Um, uh, but it just it wasn't the job for me. I, I always wanted to stick with the storytelling. Uh, I know that a lot of fans really liked the Young Justice series. Could you like talk to us a bit about how you got started with the Young Justice series, and what was it like working on that? <laughs> Dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I just finished uh, the Red Hood movie. I, I was finishing it up actually. I wasn't even done with it yet. And uh, my boss, who's our our president at Warner Animation, uh, Sam Register came to me and, and he wanted to develop something. And um, we kicked ideas around and we went back and forth on things. And and uh, he paired me up with uh, Greg Wiseman, who I was, had already worked with several times over the years. He had uh, I had directed many things that he had written on various shows. Um, so just over the years, we'd kind of connected and worked together, even though not directly. Um, I, I knew of his work and how good it was. So I was pretty excited to, to get to work with him. And uh, so together we, we sat down and we started kicking ideas around. And, you know, I think it, it, at one point it, the idea of doing a Justice League series came up, but Bruce's run had like just ended and there was just no way <laughs> yeah. Craig and I were interested in trying to follow in those footsteps because that show was so good. And, uh, you know, Teen Titans was, was still pretty fresh and we didn't want to copy that. So we were, we were really in this tight spot of like, man, how do you follow these amazing shows like Teen Titans and Justice League? It was really intimidating. So, you know, we just kept kicking ideas around. Um, Greg had, was bringing a lot of ideas with him to the table because he had worked at DC for a number of years and had written for a, a lot of books for them. Um, and I, I had some ideas too for just tone, just like the, the kind of series that I would like to see. Uh, very influenced by uh, video games at the time. I was playing a lot of the like first-person military shooters, Call of Duty and Splinter Cell, stuff like that. Um, some anime, it's a big influence on me, like uh, Ghost in the Shell, particularly uh, the Standalone Complex series. Um, big fan of that. And in fact, I even showed Greg one of those uh, episodes or a couple of those episodes of Standalone Complex. I'm like, this is the show, man. This is this is the show I <laughs> make. And so, you know, it was a fusion of all of these interests from Greg and, and from me. And, um, you know, I, I know we really wanted to do something that was more reality-based because uh, we hadn't really seen that before. Bruce's stuff was just amazing because it, it, it brought to life uh, comic books. You know, I think he, he's such a big fan of comic books himself and, and the, the whole kind of like spandex look and the, the super friends look. I mean, he just took it to an entirely new level. And it's almost like, oh, we can't, can't go there. Like he did it and he did it so well. So it was like reality was another place that we could go. And I think animation skill at the studios was evolving and escalating. So we kind of felt confident in like taking character designs to a more realistic place. And, and I think we were at a place where, you know, Greg and I were both interested in telling more realistic stories. And at the time, Cartoon Network was very into that too. Um, when we were pitching the show to Cartoon Network, uh, I think they were at that time doing a lot of reality programming and a lot of live action programming in, in their lineups. And, um, 
So, you know, what we had already set out to make in a cartoon, they were already very interested in just in their own programming. So it all just kind of came together quite nicely. Again, all of our interests sort of fusing together to, to make a, again, what we tried to make a more realistic DC animated show. Now, when you talked about pitching to Cartoon Network, was that a long kind of pitch to them? Did, did you have to like really convince them or were they like, did they already see like you had worked on the Batman and like Godzilla and like you, I th think Superman dooms they had already been out before that. Did, were they really receptive to your ideas or did you have to kind of like convince them like this is going to be geared more towards the young teen kind of, kind of generation? No, I mean, there, I, I don't remember a lot of convincing or a lot of, uh, selling that we that we had to do. I mean, we had worked out a pretty tight pitch, I think, already in advance, and we you know had some artwork and everything that we brought in. And, and again, I, I think they were already kind of wired into that mindset of uh, something a little more realistic. They they like the idea of being sort of younger superheroes as opposed to the adults in the Justice League, which they had in fact already seen with with Bruce. I think um, it was sort of a fresh take to them to do the uh, sidekick characters, if you will, um, you know, coming into their own, that, that coming of age idea that we really wanted to focus on in the first season seemed to resonate with them. They really liked it, and um, they were all on board with it. Yeah, it works so well. Um, so what was it, about a month ago that we... Yeah, it was we like had, a month ago we had Jay Alive on. Yeah, we had, we had Jay on, and uh, we... Uh, we were talking about Young Justice and why it was canceled, and he kind of gave us his version of the story of what happened. Would you mind giving your side? Sure. I mean, um, it, it's one of those things. I, I think I've heard a lot of theories, you know, in the years since it's gone off the air. And honestly, I, I just think it's a fusion of all of them. You know, everything kind of factors into it. They're, you know... Toy sales, viewership, ratings, uh, honestly, just lifespans of, of cartoons aren't that long often. You know, I mean, if, if you get two seasons, that's a pretty standard run for a lot of cartoons. If, if you go further, you often are um, maybe repackaging, like Justice League kind of did that. I think they had a couple of seasons of Justice League and then a couple more seasons of Unlimited. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Brave and the Bold had a really good run with, with five seasons, which is like almost unheard of. The two seasons is like that's a that's a pretty standard run for a show. So I don't even know that I was expecting a lot beyond that. I think I was hoping to get at least two. So it, it didn't shock me that it that it ended. Like it just didn't. I, I think especially because I had worked uh, on the Legion of Superheroes TV show with James Tucker, and that was two seasons. Okay. So I, I didn't expect much more out of it than that. So I mean, like I said it. Toy sales, maybe ratings, maybe you know, a company direction as well. I think um, I think CN started kind of going a little more towards uh, comedy as well, and we were more of a dramatic series. Yeah. So, man, it's you can't pin it down. You just can't pin it down to one thing. It's it's a lot of different things, and that's Hollywood, man. That's right. that's just kind of the business. It's just how it works. Have you have you been paying attention to like this online movement for like a third season of uh, Young Justice? Like every like every day, I see someone tweet about it's somewhere. Yeah, about can give us a third season of Young Justice on Netflix. And I know I saw something recently. Like Netflix, kind of like we we've heard we've heard the fan like pester us about this. So maybe maybe we'll something. Do you do you know of anything in the works for a potential third season of Young Justice? Um, if I do, it's like all above my pay grade. If there's anything going on, it's like way above me. Um, it's, it's one of those things where like Greg and I developed a show, but with other people's characters, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not ours to like go pitch and on our own and like, we can't finance it. There's, Kickstarters don't work like that. You know, it's, it's not our property. So if that property is going to get off the ground again, it kind of has to happen like with my bosses, mm -hmm. okay. you know, and my boss is talking to other really high level people to figure out things like the financing and all the legalities of it. You know, it's, it's big corporate stuff. It's mm -hmm. DC, right? I mean, right. <laughs> it's, 
it's big boy stuff. And I'm, I'm not <laughs> one of the big boys. I'm, I'm here to like, you know, play with all the cool toys that they own, but they're not, they're not mine. So I, I wish I could tell you more. I wish I could say, yeah, we're in talks, but like, I'm, I'm not in any talks. It's not <laughs> for me. It's not my thing to go talk about. So that's fair. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, uh, that maybe we'll get some good news about it someday, Greg and Greg and I, Phil Barasa, the, the, our character designer, we're all anxious to jump back into the world. We had more stories to tell. We'd love awesome. to do it. And honestly, we're, we're just like on standby, you know, until our bosses come to us and say, we want to make more. <laughs> and we hope that you do, because it sounds like you're interested to get back into that world as well. And I know the fans are like, I'm one of those kind of people that I binge Young Justice. I give it like two weeks and then I binge it again. Yeah. That's how much I love it's. It's, I love the animated series. I love Batman Beyond, but like Young Justice is kind of like the like teenage version of me in that show, and I love that for it. <laughs> cool, yeah. thanks. I mean, it, it was it was fun to make and and you know really explore that younger hero element and the the teenage angst and mm -hmm. and kind of telling that story of of youngsters trying to get out of the shadows of their iconic mentors. I mean, that was just an angle I think that had probably been touched on in other shows, like you know, maybe even Batman Beyond a little bit. But I think we were able to expand on it in a new way and kind of take it in a different direction. It was a lot of fun for us to explore. A lot of good stories to spin out of that, good stuff for writing. So, so uh, from your perspective, what's it like directing like a TV series as opposed to a movie? Like, is there many differences? Because I know for a movie, obviously, it's like one long sequence, whereas TV shows, you can break it up a bit. Like, how, how does the process of that work? What is it like? Oh, uh, boy, the difference between, uh, it's like, directing. I mean, I can I can speak even more to it, too, from the, from the producing side. I mean, sure. series, it, it's a lot more complicated. And it depends on the series. Um, series work like Young Justice is... is really difficult. Um, obviously, we had a lot of uh, character arcs that were going on in that, a lot of threads, right? Mm -hmm. Just tons of story threads that went through every single episode. And that was a lot of planning from me and Greg and Kevin Hopps was uh, one of our, our staff writers that was helping us break a lot of those stories. And I mean, we had to so tightly pack all of those scripts and, you know, words that were said in one show would mean something different after a later show and uh you know something that happened a very small thing even even if it's just a look between characters in one show that's going to pay off later in a show you know we were planning all that stuff before we even got into our pre-production with designs and storyboards and everything so we had these big story walls built um just to track all of it and honestly like it it took all of our brains to track it because <laughs> there was so much to track. Like I would forget something. Greg would remind me, Greg would forget something. I would remind him, you know, and, and so on. Cause there was so much to, to track. And that, that's a lot of work too. I think for the, for the crews as well. Um, it, it leaves less room for, um, uh, you know, discovery, uh, the storyboard artists and the directors don't quite have as much, uh, that they can invent, uh, because we've got, so much already planned out of the script that if you invent, you might start to stray away from the script or interrupt something that's important for later. So that's very difficult. Uh, but then there's other shows like, um, I think Brave and the Bold uh, from James Tucker. I, I uh, was kind of on board during the early development phases of that with him. That was, that was all his thing and, and Michael Jelenic, that was their, um, their thing that they came up with, but I was on at the very early stages helping with development art and some of the early storyboards and finding the, the style and the tone for it. So it was interesting to watch them come up with it and then become a director on it and see that it was very like compartmentalized. Like it wasn't about big arcs. Like it was every individual episode just stood on its own and you yeah. kind of run them out of order. And that gave the, the crews a lot of freedom so that they were able to like really invent stuff and have fun because one thing didn't connect to a thing three episodes later. Right. You can have a lot of fun and, and just, you know, invent and, and discover and play and, you know, stray from the script a little bit. And if you came up with a fun conclusion, then great. That's all, that's all the better for it. Um, 
so that's two different kinds of TV shows and, and how they can, you know, be different uh, uh, from a production standpoint. Um, with the movies, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit the same. To, to be quite honest, it's just, I, I think, a little easier because, a little easier on the story planning side because you're not having to think about a large run, whether it be story arcs of multiple episodes that connect or whether it be just what are you going to do for 26 episodes? I mean, that's, I think, the conundrum you face with something even like Brave and the Bold. It's like if each episode is like a, a wild idea, how many wild ideas can you come up with and keep it fresh and yeah. keep one-upping yourself? That's still a very big challenge in and of itself. Um, so the scale of the challenges is a little smaller on, on a movie, but you can still run the same things. It depends on the amount of detail in the script. Um, I think with, with our Lego movies that we make, um, there's a lot of discovery and a lot of fun uh, because our scripts uh, can run to like 90 to 100 pages or something like that. And you cannot get all of the jokes that we pack into the movie into a 100 page script. Like I think if you wrote down all of the jokes in a script format from, from our movies once they're completed, you probably have a 200 page script, which is just <laughs> oh, not useful. Lord of the Rings style script. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so the board artists and directors all get to really run and play, and like you know, we we write as many jokes into the script as we can, but uh, but they still need more. And so sometimes you can't come up with um, fun stuff, material for your your characters to work with until uh, you're actually storyboarding them and getting them into an environment, and then you realize, oh, well, now that they're in this alleyway or something. And now that I know there's a garbage can here, well, I can do a gag with this garbage can over here. And, you know, <laughs> the script writer can't account for the garbage can. They don't know right. what's going to so, so, you know, it's this, this evolving thing. And, um, and again, from, from show to show, from story to story, uh, with the various different tones that you work on, those, those challenges all kind of shift. And um, sometimes that gives you a lot of room to play, and, and sometimes it doesn't. It just depends on, on the story. You've directed Superman Doomsday, Scooby-Doo WrestleMania Mystery, <laughs> Lego DC Comics Superheroes, Justice League versus Bizarro League, and you yeah. have Scooby-Doo WrestleMania Mystery too. But I'm I left one out on purpose because this is a Batman-oriented show. We have to Batman Under the Red Hood. We have to discuss that. What was the what was <laughs> Who came up with the idea of Under the Red Hood? Was it you? Was it Judd Winnick, the writer? Or did you guys kind of collaborate on that? Because that is a beautiful film yeah. from beginning, <laughs> middle to end. Oh, thank you very much. Thank um, you. <laughs> lots of credit to Judd Winnick. That was his baby. Um, I was not on board during the scripting phase. So I, I think I was, I was finishing up my run on, um, gosh, was it... Uh, Legion of Superheroes, maybe? I think I was coming off of Legion of Superheroes when Under the Red Hood was beginning. I think. It's all a blur. <laughs> <laughs> have to bear with me. That's okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the script was totally complete by the time it got to me. Under the Red Hood. Like, it's one of the, has one of the most beautiful endings. And it's it's a perfect moment for Batman because he kind of has a vision of the past with with, with Jason Todd, you know, he he sees this vision of the first day that Jason Todd puts on the suit, and it's kind of kind of a seminal moment for that film because of everything that leads up to it. And the last line in the movie, I believe, is this is Robin goes, "This is the best day of my life." Now let's talk about that film because it is so beautiful. Like I said, from beginning, middle to end, like you, you start off the film with, you know. The Joker kidnapping Robin, blowing him up, and you know Batman's trying so hard to like save him, but he really can't. And at the, at, almost at the end, he of the film, like Batman's trying to save Robin again, and he almost and he almost loses it. Like there's a moment in the film where you think like Batman's gonna lose lose it. He's gonna he's gonna save, uh, sa kill kill the Joker to save save Robin and everything, and it's. It's one of those movies where it's like, like I said, like when when that ending sequence happens, like I almost like, I, I get glassy eyed, I almost like tear up because it's so perfect. It's a perfect. Let's talk about Under the Red Hood and you know like what what that film means to us fans. Like, what does that mean to you as well? Uh, a lot. I mean, I I still really love it. It's one of the things I'm most proud of in my career. 
I felt lucky just to be a part of it because the script was so good. And that's, you know, huge credit to Judd Winnick. That was his story. Um, I believe he, he began it in the, in the comics. And um, I think when the comics came out, I, I think he wanted to go in and kind of make some adjustments. And I think he got those adjustments made when he, when he pitched it to uh, Warner Brothers. Um, so I was not, unfortunately, part of, part of that process. I wish I could speak to it more. Um, when I came on board, the script was al already complete, and I kind of found out some of the stories about how it came to life a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I was, I was finishing up, um, like I said, I, I think it was Legion of Superheroes, uh, and they'd asked me if I, if I wanted to work on, on that movie, and I was like, yeah, I wanted to write the Batman movie. <laughs> right? <Are you> kidding me? <laughs> So, um, so yeah, it was like, once again, another dream come true gig to get to, to direct a, a Batman movie on my own. And Bruce was great to work with and the script was so good. And, and, uh, I was all I could do to just like keep up with it. It was such a good script. Um, the ending, uh, was impactful to me as well. I, I read the script and it, you know, it was, I think it was the only like change I made and it was the smallest of changes really because I, I believe the way it was originally written uh, that scene with uh, Ghost Robin standing on the car and saying mm -hmm. this is the best day of my life I think that happened and then Batman gets in his car and he drives away and that's how the script ended and it kind of made it like a heroic ending like he had come to terms with all of this stuff and he was moving on and it was like a kind of a heroic ending to see Batman sort of driving off into the city to um, to uh, you know fight bad guys again mm -hmm. and I flipped those two scenes and just just kind of by rearranging them and letting Batman leave and ending on the ghosts I think that felt like more of a Batman story to me um, Batman's kind of driven by ghosts mm -hmm. yeah. and to end with the ghosts in the cave, like to me, and, and that, that punchline, just just that line that Judd wrote in a flashback with Robin saying, this is the best day of my life. It was so impactful to me. I'm just like, that's gotta be the end of the movie. That's so, it hit me so hard when I read it. I, I, did, I just wanted the script to end. You know? <laughs> so uh, so I, that was like the one big tweak that I, that I made and I just kind of reversed those two scenes and ended with, with Robin and I was so nervous. I finally met Judd for the first time at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, and I think that's where we might have screened it, or we did a panel for it. Mm -hmm. I was so nervous, like, going up to him, because I was such a fan of the script, and I'm just like, after he, after he saw the movie, I'm just like, oh, man, I, you know, I, I hope it was okay, that the ending, he's like, I love the ending, it was a great choice, he liked it, so I was just like, because <laughs> <laughs> his opinion really mattered to me, because, you know, it was such a good story, and I just wanted to do right by it, so. Like I said, I'm, I'm a 27-year-old man, and, like, if you make an animated feature film, like make me like almost cry. Like I understand like Pixar movies does that for a lot of people, but like Batman, <laughs> and like just that scene alone, where it's like this is the best day of my life, just floored me seeing that for the first time, and it still does that today. Well, can you tell about like the, your collaboration with Bruce Tim? Like, is he hands on, or does he kind of like do your thing, and I'm just going to be more advisory? Um, you know, is. Working with Bruce was great because he's got such amazing instincts and he's just fast. Like that's, I, I can be kind of slow sometimes and I like to just take my time and think things out. And um, and Bruce is like, he's been doing it for so many years and so good at it. It's just like boom, 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 boom. He just like makes decisions and they're great. And so it's kind of intimidating to kind of be in a room with him and, and watch him, watch him go. But, um, in the beginning, I think as we were working together, uh, he was he was really hands on, and I think I was uh, I was stepping up to the plate. I was you know really trying to prove something to Bruce. I you know this is a guy I look up to, and again I was kind of copying his style is what got me into the business, and he gave me my first job. So I was really trying to prove something to him too, and and uh, you know really step up and make a lot of decisions. And I think once he saw that, he started kind of of backing off a little bit and you know he became great training wheels but he kind of let me kind of take the reins on on the movie by the end of it 
and we had some really great collaborations. I mean, we had a lot of great story discussions about the thing. Uh, sitting in the editing room together, I would I would take a pass, and he would he would take a pass, and we'd kind of go back and forth and exchange. So, um, big credit to to Bruce for you know really just allowing me to kind of come in and like make some of it mine. It, it, it was something that we made together, and he allowed that. It was it was great. I learned a lot from it. Let's. What's it like to when you when you're directing? Are you in the recording booth as well? And if so, like, what's it like to see like an actor like John DiMaggio like pull off the Joker? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's pretty amazing. And you know, again, that that's one of those things where um, you know, huge credit to Andrea Romano as well. Yeah, um, Bruce and Andrea have this like magical relationship. It's so fascinating to watch them together in the booth because they've been doing this together for so long I think they kind of almost read each other's minds and complete each other's thoughts so there wasn't a lot for me to do there but like sit back as a fan and just like wow this is amazing you know and then when you get a huge talent like John DiMaggio in the booth and just watch him go it's just not much for me to do like I said for me it's just it's not like a fan in the room just kind of watching and I, you know, I periodically, um, I had some ideas for certain storyboarding uh, moments that I, you know, staging things that I knew I was going to do that weren't necessarily in the script. So I'd pipe up now and then and, you know, kind of explain what the action was going to ultimately look like on screen and how that would affect the acting. But, but um, you know, a, a lot of the big steering, I think, was done by Bruce and Andrea. And then, you know, a lot of uh, John DiMaggio kind of finding it and making it his own as well. I mean, yeah, it, it so came together to such an interesting Joker. I mean, you're talking about John, but like even the the, the character design too. Uh, John Suzuki was the character designer on that, and it's kind of a huskier, kind of built Joker. Yeah, yeah, He's a real intimidating yeah. guy. He's not the kind of wiry, thin guy that you see in some comics and some versions. Um, this is a scary guy, and with John's kind of bigger voice and the bigger build. It's a really threatening, scary Joker. I really like that Joker Definitely. that we yeah. created. <laughs> um, I know it's not necessarily Red Hood related, but I'm curious. Whose idea was it to have Kevin Smith in Superman Doomsday? I think that was Bruce. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, known. that was probably Bruce. Uh, Doomsday was, I think, more Bruce's baby. Um, Lauren Montgomery and I were kind of like sequence directors so we basically broke the movie down into thirds okay and i directed the first third and lauren directed the middle and bruce kind of directed the the third uh, the last third of the movie and so yeah i think it was uh bruce who who kind of came up with that idea to, to get him in there awesome oh that movie, like as soon as that scene comes up, and it's like, who thought of the giant spider? Lame. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, let's see here, Tom. I, I know we're kind of like jumping around a little bit, but uh, what is it? It's got to be a lot different to work on the Lego stuff. Am, am I wrong? Is it is it challenging? Because you're kind of you're kind of like stuck to the the block style lay there's not like a lot of detail and stuff with that you can make with legos you know like what what is that like it is challenging for from a design standpoint yeah we we um we spend a lot of time in design meetings about uh, you know working out how do you build metropolis in lego how do you build gotham city in lego how yeah. do you build the batmobile in lego and you know lego kind of we work very closely with lego and they do supply us with with some of the designs and then there's a lot of stuff we figure out on our own, like our, our back cave. I think we, we that was all our own design. And um, <clears throat> it's a challenge. It's different for our design crews because usually they get to draw anything they want. They can make any line that they want anywhere, doesn't matter. Once you paint it up, it looks like an awesome background. But man, yeah, when you're stuck with the bricks and you can only make a, yeah. a garbage can or a car or a building or a table out of bricks, how do you do that? And so we've got um, some some CG programs here uh, with brick libraries loaded into them. Awesome. So now that's how they build. Like nobody draws anymore. It's just we tried it in the beginning. You just can't draw the Lego bricks. Huh. Um, there's such precision required in the in the designing. 
that you have to work with uh, CGI elements to to create the props and the backgrounds with the bricks. And uh, so, yeah, we have uh, several programs that we work with for that, and it, it's a huge challenge. I mean, I'm. <laughs> It, it's it's all to the designers. I, I'm a fan of Lego myself. Like I, I I collect a lot of toys, and for years I had kind of resisted collecting Lego because I knew it was like this rabbit hole that I would oh, just tumble yeah. down. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. So deep. And then of course, you know, then then uh, I got to work on the Lego shows, and I'm like, well, I've been avoiding it. I can't avoid it anymore. Right. I'm tumbling down the rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, so I've been buying a lot of Lego and building a lot of Lego. And so I, I know what Lego is supposed to be. I've, I've, I'm enough of a fan of it now, and I've built enough stuff on my own that like, I actually really love getting in there with the designers and like, kind of swapping ideas on how to put finishing, you know, Lego touches on some of the, the creations that we make for the shows. But, but yeah, I, I know I yammered on about that, but it is incredibly challenging. Oh, it's I awesome. can't emphasize enough. How difficult it is to design a Lego world. Because like everything looks like you, the Bat Cave alone, like it just it looks so cool. Like especially like you said, everything everything's Lego, and like the Bat Cave looks like the Bat Cave. It's that's just incredible. It, it's uh, yeah, it's fun, and, and and then you know the other thing too is the lighting. I mean, CG shows are way harder to make than 2D shows. I think. It's probably, I don't know, three or four times the volume of, of work uh, that you have to do for a CG show versus a 2D show. Um, but one of the great things about it, one of the fun things, and, and another one of the most challenging things is, is the lighting. Like, really working with the lighting in CG is one of my favorite things because it, you can, when it's done right, like it, it should look real. Right? I mean, it should look absolutely realistic. And um, that's something that we've been working on from project to project and getting more realistic lighting um, to really make these brick worlds look great because you want them to look like a real world that you can just step into. And that's kind of the fun of bringing Lego to life is presenting it in a way that looks real and makes you want to walk into that world and play yeah. with those bricks. So we spend a lot of time on the lighting, and it's incredibly challenging, incredibly difficult. Um, we've got a, an amazing lighting lead here. His name's Daniel Eaton, and um, and to to see like how he kind of coaches our overseas studio to create the lighting just for the Batcave, you know, and and certain key locations, it's uh, it, it's it's just really incredible to watch how that part of the process comes together. Wow. Um. We've we've already, we've talked about it a little bit, but we really want to get into uh, Brave and the Bold. Yeah, like we uh, we talked about how those are it, that's cool in its own way because every single show is uh, it, it's kind of like its own. There's no it doesn't follow something from the show before it or anything like that. Um, did you end up directing every third episode? Is that what it was? Yeah, for the the first uh, <clears throat> couple seasons. Um, I, I was a director, I think, on the first two seasons, and uh, I think that's when I left to go to Red Hood. I think it was following Brave and the Bull, and then okay. I went to Red Hood. See? It's, it's all <laughs> there you go. It's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> this whole show has been like a time machine for me. I remember all these things. Um, but, uh, yeah, so with, with Brave and the Bold, um, like I said, that, that offered a lot more free freedom to all the artists involved to kind of um, you know, uh, come up with some new ideas and, and, and just have fun with the show. Um, <clears throat> it was interesting to watch. I remember James really brainstorming on how to do a more comedic take on Batman. And at the time, that just did not process for me. I'm like, comedy Batman? <laughs> it, just it just doesn't make sense, you know? But he had a take on it, and James has this um, incredible love for for the old comics where they had more fun with it and the 66 Batman series where they had more fun with, yeah. with Batman. And so to kind of watch him just sketch and sketch because the guy's just like a sketching machine. He just doesn't stop. And he was just constantly coming up with, with gags and and uh, and him and Michael putting together the, the first scripts and how they came up with, with comedy for the show. It was a real learning experience for me to kind of watch them work and, and develop a comedy Batman. 
and uh, and uh, it was it was a privilege to work on it, and then get to work with the Lego Batman, right? Because then we're yeah. coming up with mm-hmm. yet another comedy take on on Batman. So a lot of the lessons I learned on Brave and the Bold, I was trying to bring with me when I was sitting down with uh, with Michael Jelenic and also Jim Cree, and we were kind of trying to figure out how to do a comedy take on the DC universe. Awesome. So what are, what are you, before we, there, there's a one last question, but we, what are you working on right now? Like you said, you're super busy, like you're producing, tell, tell everyone what, what it is that you've been like working so hard on. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I've been uh, really busy posting a, uh, the Scooby-Doo sequel to the uh, WWE crossover. Yes. Oh, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> My son loves those. Oh, cool. <laughs> that, those were super fun to make. I, I am a WWE fan. I, awesome. I do, I do enjoy that world. Um, and uh, they're a perfect fit in Scooby World, and I think they're a perfect fit in animation. Uh, so I've been finishing that up. I have, um, and, and posting uh, Lego movies as well. And then I have two other projects that are unannounced, so I can't talk about them yet. But um, they're Hanna Barbera properties; they're not uh, oh, DC. Cool. Oh, and cool. so I'm excited to talk about those. I just can't talk about them yet. Understandable. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I will, we'll ask you one last question, then we'll let you get on with your evening. Have you had a chance to watch Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice? Or have you just been too busy for that? I actually no, you know everyone I made time to. for I, that. I, I, <laughs> it's like I had to. Plus. It's like, man, you know where I work. It's like I knew when I was going to come to work yeah. today, everybody was going to be talking about it. And I didn't want any spoilers or anything. So, yeah, I made it a point this weekend to go out and check it out. And I loved it. Like, it was awesome. Like, I think that is the, the like, the cinematic DC universe I've been wanting to see since I was, like, 10 or something. Yeah. You know yep. I, mean? I mean, when Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman were all on screen together, fighting alongside each other. I geeked out pretty hard in the theater. Definitely. I had a big grin on my face because I think the way Zack Snyder can like paint with the lens, you know what I mean? Like he kind of paints an alternate reality. Mm-hmm. And I love that because that settles in all of all of these fantastic characters uh, into a world that, that works. Because I think if you do it wrong, there's like a real danger of, of it just kind of looking like like comic-con or power rangers or something where it's right. just you know what i mean like yes like if, if you shoot it wrong it it can look wrong it can and you'll and you'll not take it seriously but i i think um to me that's what i really appreciated about like zach's vision for it is is uh he really can create a fantasy world for fantasy characters bring it all together and it all works really well and <clears throat> excuse me i was i was um really excited to see some of the more fantastic elements starting just starting to come to life right like right. i don't want to get into a, like a bunch of spoilers and stuff but but i mean obviously they're starting to touch on some of those uh you know other characters on on in the justice league roster and beyond right right yeah like, yep. yeah we're starting to bring in some of the really out there stuff in the dc universe in in this big theater format cinema experience that you know i've never seen that before from dc and so that i was really excited about and i loved uh ben affleck as batman great we all did too like that i know there was a lot of uh a lot of controversy about his casting in the Mm -hmm. beginning definitely yeah but I haven't heard anybody talk about it, like in all the reviews. All the negative reviews and everything. Yeah, it's like everybody, everybody kind of, despite all the negative reviews, everyone's like, he's kind of the definitive Batman. He's good. Yeah. Like, he's kind of like mumbling it out. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, yeah, he's really good. I think, I think the cast is great. I, I'm really happy with the cast. Is it, where does he rank up for you as like a definitive version of the character? Do you do you like his version? Do you like Michael Keaton's version? George Clooney? <laughs> no one likes that version. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I hadn't thought about putting the number on it, but he's pretty high up there. I awesome. think uh, pulling off that particular version of, of Batman, you know, um, I thought he did great. It was great to see all the Bruce Wayne moments in there, too. Yeah. Bruce Wayne had a lot of screen time. And he was a detective, too, which was awesome, right? Yes, yes. And so um, it was great to see him doing that. I thought he 
you pulled it off great i'm totally hooked and i can't wait to see more if anything that's that's what the movie left me is just you know there's a lot of setup in the movie and it just it just left me wanting more in a good way like i'm hooked and i can't wait to see what they do next oh yeah wonder woman's well suicide squad's next and which we're all excited for, and then Wonder Woman, then Justice League. So yeah, it's it's coming. It's finally it's coming. And it's not as torturous after we waited three whole years for PBS to come out. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> these like little months in between don't seem like anything now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you guys, you all loved it then. Yeah, yeah we, we did. Liked it. We enjoyed it. We did a lot. Um, yeah, we think we think that the critics' reviews were very unfair. Very unfair. We we yeah. think we agree with you about you now how Zach kind of paints with the lens and everything. And he gives it. He gives us something a little bit different than what's across the street at Marvel, which is what Marvel is doing great with their with their characters and their you know like Captain America, Iron Man. But Zach really he really knows how to like just how to like bring emotion out of his characters and like every, it's just the way he like mm-hmm. shows emotion and things. It, made that film mm-hmm. top notch I mean my girlfriend did cry during that, that end sequence without spoiling it so when you can do that when you can make grown adults cry as <laughs> superheroes yeah, yeah. <laughs> then th- that seals the deal for us so yeah Brandon, thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. Like, we, you're yeah, man, you're an awesome guy. Like, we appreciate you coming on the show so much. And like, I personally want to thank you because my three year old son and I watch Brave and the Bold and the Batman and Young Justice, and we just watch it together and both love it. So, thank you so much for that, man. Oh, thank you for telling me too. I mean, I think for so much of us here we get kind of locked off from the rest of the world and mm-hmm. social media has helped to kind of get us an idea of how people are responding to our stuff. But I mean, we're making stuff for, for all of you people out there, mm-hmm. you know, right. we just yeah. want to make something that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And I, I especially love hearing, you know, when it's, when it's um, families that can sit down and when it's parents that can actually watch our stuff with their kids and kind of come together um, over the stuff that, that we love so much and, and if, if we can you know make other people love this stuff as much as we do it just makes us so happy we're, we're happy to do our job right and happy to make other people happy and, and love these characters in the DC universe as much as we do right I That's remember awesome. telling Tom I said Tom guess who we, we have coming on I said who the guy who directs most of the Brave and the Bull he's like yes <laughs> I was so excited <laughs> yesterday actually my son and I watched uh <laughs> The Batman, the, epi- the Penguin episode, the first Penguin episode where the owls are stealing all the jewels and stuff. He loved it. It, mm-hmm. it was it's such a great episode. So thank you so much for that, man. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on your show. A- absolutely. Thank Anytime. you so much. So for episode fifty nine of Shanley and I'm Batman, I'm Tom Harper, Justin Shanley, Kyle Davis. I am the night. I am Batman.